Welcome to Good Monsters, the podcast where we convict Christians to be doers and not just hearers of the word, to live worthy of their calling, and to not fall away. In this episode, you'll be learning about the bad habit that a lot of churches have of being welcoming. Stay tuned. I'm your good and monstrous host, Cody Lawrence. Churches are too welcoming. Tell me if this sounds familiar at all. Uh, Those of you familiar with youth ministries, how much time does your youth ministry spend on playing games compared to teaching the gospel? How many of your youth ministries have short sermons and long worship times? Contemporary songs, not too deep theologically. Maybe Hillsong, maybe Elevation Church. What about the adult services? How often do you hear things or see other churches doing things like saying, You are loved. You are welcome. Come on in. Then the non-believer comes in, sits down, hears a couple of Bible verses uh, and exactly the same kind of music that the youth ministry is hearing down the hall by Hillsong and Elevation, then listens to a couple of Bible verses read and listens to the pastor about something highly practical like living the life you were created to live, but without going too deep into scripture. And then they leave feeling good about themselves to uh, maybe or maybe not come back next week. Uh, Does that sound familiar? If your church does not do any of these things, then you are probably in a really good place. But uh, it's probably much more likely that if... uh, that this does sound familiar and you're actually at a church where at least some of these things happen. And if that's the case, you have a serious problem. So what are we actually offering the world who enters into the church in this case? Nothing. We are not offering them salvation. We are offering them encouragement. How often do you hear the word repent in church? You know, the central message of every single one of the prophets was repentance. Jesus too. How heavy is the emphasis on the fact that Jesus died because you are a sinner? You are a monster who deserves to die and live for eternity, suffering in darkness. Well, boy, howdy, that might scare people off. We wouldn't want people to leave. We want to reach as many people as possible with the gospel. What gospel? The good news of feeling good about yourself? The good news that Jesus loves you exactly the way you are in all of your decrepitude and sin and hatred and apathy? The good news that you won't actually need anyone to die to save you because you're already exactly the way God made you to be? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Is it possible that we are opening our church doors to evil waving signs to welcome them in, and then giving it free coffee. 
I think this happens at a lot of churches, even more conservative churches, uh, even especially churches who consider themselves seeker-friendly. Um, but man, I think this is a this is a real epidemic that's happening in our country. The fact that churches are weakening themselves by not sharing the gospel, by not convicting the uh, the the Christians and the non-believers who are in the audience, and by welcoming people in and being afraid to scare people away with the truth. I have a story about a uh, previous very unhealthy church that I worked at as a youth and young adult pastor. There was a uh, a woman at the church who sat down by me one day. I tried to sit in a different seat every Sunday just so I could talk to people, you know, like a good shepherd would. <laughs> and, and also, uh, as you probably already know, people tend to sit in exactly the same spots for their entire lives when they go to a church. It's like they have assigned seating and uh, the new people are neglected to be told. <laughs> so anyway, I try to sit in a different position or a different seat uh, every Sunday to try to get to know new people and try to be, you know, seen and, and get around and try to, you know, just try to meet meet the congregation because it's hard to get to know everybody or um, be seen and you know that honestly, that was part of the problem at this church. It was uh, I, I was fearful of if people didn't see me active in some way, then they might grumble about me to the head pastor, who was the source of this fear, and uh, he I might get fired because people uh, would would say, "Well, what is Cody doing?" Uh, we don't see him doing anything when in reality a good pastor would be going out and having coffee with the students or having meetings with the the volunteers and discipling them you know that kind of thing the thing that a pastor actually should be doing and not sitting in his office on facebook all day uh starting stupid arguments with people which you know that's that's exactly what happened Anyway, uh, not with me, by the way, with the head pastor. <laughs> Regardless, here's the story. Uh, I sat down in this new seat on one fateful Sunday, and an elderly woman sat down beside me and was acting rather polite, uh, but I quickly realized it wasn't actual politeness <laughs> because of her actions that she demonstrated. I sat down, and I was there for quite a while and people were still coming into the to the sanctuary and this woman sat down and as she sat down she sat down right next to me which is totally fine but as she sat down she kind of pushed my bible and my phone which were between the two of us over just a little closer to me and it's not like my bible and my phone were an arm's length away my phone was sitting on top of my bible and it was you know a few inches away from me <laughs> It was it was within an appropriate distance, right? And so this woman sits down, pushes my Bible a little closer to me as she sits down, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird, touching my stuff, but uh, you know, it's fine, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, and then we she starts a conversation, and you know, I'm I'm like 
you know, it's like a good Sunday morning conversation. Hey, how are you? Excited for church, whatever. And then she says, uh, these seats is normally where my family sits and they should be here soon. And then I think, oh, am I in the way? And so I ask her like, oh, I, I, do you do you normally fill up the whole row? Do I need to move? And she's like, no, 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 don't move. It's okay. And uh, then, then her family comes in and sits down and there's adequate room for all of them. They all sit down. But it seemed to me that what was happening was this woman had laid claim to the entire row of pews. And there were like, you know, six or seven people in the family, maybe. But there was plenty of room for them and me. But as her family sat down, she didn't move, but she pushed my Bible and my phone even closer towards me, like up against my body. And I had already scooted over once a little bit for her. And at this point, my butt cheek was hanging off of the edge of the pew. And when she did that, I'm like, ah, as politely as I could, ah, you know, I, I'm sorry. It looks like you don't have enough room here. Uh, I, you know, I'll just move to a different row. I can, I can see that, that um, I'm, I'm not really welcome here. I didn't, I didn't say it exactly like that, but I tried to give the impression that I was a little, uh, not unhappy, but like, it, this was not a good thing that happened. <laughs> but I also wanted to give the, uh, the uh, impression that I had compassion for her and, and I didn't want to start trouble. And like, honestly, it's not worth it. I just want to get out of her way if she wants the row that badly. But imagine, well, one, I think it was a horrible thing because she knew I was the youth pastor of the church. And it's not like I think pastors should be preached or should be uh, treated more highly than any other member of the congregation. But uh, she knew who I was. And I think if, if somebody is serving you in some way, look, like, like if you, if you, um, do something bad to a stranger, it feels to me a little less severe than if you do something bad to somebody who's doing something nice for you. You know, like if somebody opens the door for you and you slam the door in their face uh, when you're both on the way out, to me that seems worse than if you uh, slam the door in the face of a stranger. They're both egregious and they're both bad, but... um, you know, I'm I'm serving the church, and this woman wants to push me out of the seat. Ah, that didn't sit right with me. But imagine, in a way, this other scenario would be worse, because imagine that happening, and it being a new person in the church. Imagine a brand new person, maybe a non-believer, who's been really thinking about going to church, or maybe they were going to church as a kid, and haven't been in years and they were being convicted that they need to come to church and that happens they are pushed out of a row by a supposed faithful christian and faithful attendee of this congregation what would you think if that happened to you boy i would never go back to that church And if I were a non-believer, I would probably have been a lot more upset and had a lot more worse things to say to her. 
this kind of thing happens all the time. Look, me and my wife uh, have attended a couple of churches recently, and in both, and, and we've known people at at least one of the churches. But we want to get to know people in the church. Uh, we want to build relationships with people. You know, we want to get plugged into a community, and one of the ways that we try to do that is we uh, hang out outside of the sanctuary and wait to, to to like talk to people you know if we know somebody in the church uh where we wait on them to come out and we try to talk to them and sometimes they don't show up but as we do that one thing i noticed was nobody says hi to us nobody talks to us uh there's we kind of feel unwelcome <laughs> So that's a problem. It's like churches are too welcoming at the door and then they're not welcoming enough once you get inside. Uh, But that's a separate issue. The issue we're talking about here primarily in this podcast is churches, uh, I I don't know what I would even call it. It's it's not, I, I would say if you're being properly welcoming, then everything's fine. But the kind of welcoming that a lot of churches have in our culture today is a perverted kind of welcoming where they're welcoming for the wrong reasons and they're welcoming in the wrong ways. So for example, uh, let's turn to the Bible and see what it has to say about this. We know that we should love our neighbor, love our enemy, welcome people, be hospitable, and so on. There's Bible verses to support all of those things. But I think Romans chapter 15 sums up the idea that I'm talking about well, so I think we should take a look at that. Romans 15 verse 7 says, Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So let's think about this. At at face value, what you might think is, welcome one another. Well, yeah, obviously. So we welcome everybody. If somebody comes into our home or comes into our gathering, we welcome We welcome them whoever they are. If they're friend or enemy or no matter what their beliefs are, bring them in and they're part of the family. But that is not what this verse means at all because you are forgetting the second half of the verse. I think often when we uh, are reading passages in scripture, we do not put them in context. And it's even more obviously wrong when we don't finish the verse that we're reading. <laughs> so people can focus on when they read this passage, Romans 15, 7, welcome one another and totally ignore as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome one another just by itself has an entirely different meaning than if we put it into context with the second half of the verse. Not even to mention the fact that Paul follows up this passage with the idea of talking about Jews and Gentiles and, you know, how how we need to have unity and, and whatever. So anyway, let's think about just the second half of this verse. Welcome one another here as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So what we have to think about here when we are uh, trying to understand what this passage means, it's pretty obvious, you know, like, like a child could understand what this means. But for some reason, Christians have gotten into the very, very poor habit of, of uh, like I said, reading half verses or just thinking, 
uh, what what the verse means to them instead of what the verse actually means. So let's just think about Jesus and how he welcomed people for a moment. Jesus welcomed uh, poor people. He welcomed people who society generally didn't believe deserved to be welcomed. Uh, you know, the, the the there was elitism going on in the Jewish community, especially among the Pharisees, where you know you had to you had to be righteous, you had to appear to be righteous too. You had to follow all the laws. The more um, stripes and tassels and fancy stuff you had on your robe, uh, it indicated your position as a, a priest or a Pharisee or, or whatever. You know, the the more flashy, the better. And and we know that that's bad. That's obvious, but. I think what people focus on when, even if they are thinking about welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, they think about Christ welcoming the the outcasts, which I think is a necessary thing to consider as we are interpreting this passage. Yes, welcome the outcasts. Although in the church situation, consider this, who was the outcast in the situation with the woman and her family? Well, it was me, and I was not being welcomed. <laughs> Who is the outcast whenever you, you're attending a church for a long time and nobody speaks with you because you're not friends with anybody yet? How do you make friends? Well, you're the outcast. And so Christians can't even do this right. They're not even welcoming outcasts correctly because we have such a narrow view of what an outcast is. We need to be nice to homeless people, but not to uh, you know totally normal looking people who just don't have any friends in the church. Man, that that happens to me more than anything. Uh, it's like people, it's like people like me who look like a totally normal person <laughs> uh, are are outcast in an attempt for Christians to serve outcasts. I remember going to a church as a kid where they were uh, they were so evangelically focused. What I remember thinking back in high school when I was attending this church was, man, they're so focused on uh, teaching the the congregation in the church to go out and spread God's love to people that they neglect showing God's love to them. It's like they're too focused on people on the outside that they end up neglecting their responsibilities to the people on the inside. You know, church is for teaching Christians and serving Christians, you know, and then inviting people from the outside into your family so you can serve them also, while also doing what you can for the community and, and all that. But I think the primary responsibility of a of of a gathering of the body of Christ is to serve the body of Christ. And if we are neglecting that, then we're not really loving our neighbor at all. And if we're loving, uh, if we appear to be loving our enemy more than we're loving our neighbor, then, you know, that's a problem too. <laughs> it's, it's, it's mixed up. And I think that's what a lot of Christians have a problem with today. But let's look at the flip side of this passage. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Yes, Jesus, Jesus uh, welcomed the outcasts. And that is something that's very important for us to do that as I said, Christians even screw up that with because 
uh, they, they don't fully understand what an outcast is. But let's look at the flip side. Christ, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Who did Christ not welcome? There were also situations, you know, of Christ pushing people away. Ooh, that's something I don't think we think of often in church. If we are welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us, then that also means that we should stand firm in our beliefs so that we do not welcome people that Christ wouldn't welcome. I hope that makes sense. So what I mean by this is, let's consider how Jesus treated the Pharisees. Uh, There aren't many examples of Jesus being very nice to Pharisees in Scripture. (laughs) They were antagonistic towards him, And Jesus often did one of two things. He was either antagonistic back, calling them things like sons of serpents and whitewashed tombs, or he ignored them and he just went away. (laughs) So I'm sure Jesus... Now, if the Pharisees were open-minded to his teaching and if they were receptive and if they were actually repentant... Jesus 100% would welcome them. But that's the thing we have to consider. We can't just welcome people who hate God into our families. That's not what Jesus would do. (laughs) Let's also think about the story of Jesus and the rich young ruler. In this story, the rich young ruler came to Jesus, and Jesus kind of had a a little... uh, a poke at the rich young ruler at the beginning because the the ruler's like, good teacher. And Jesus says, ah, uh, hold on. Why do you call me good? Because no one is good but God. The irony is the rich young ruler is speaking to God. (laughs) And so he was right to call Jesus good. But the point here is that the rich young ruler didn't understand that he was talking to God. And so Jesus was... um, you know, just trying to poke at him to make him try to understand something that he's missing, which continues to be the theme throughout the rest of the passage with the rich young ruler. There is something that he's missing. So Jesus says, uh, well, no one is good but God. Why do you say that? And, you know, that kind of trips him up. And and he says, well, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus says, well, you follow the commandments. And then he's like, which ones? And Jesus lists off some of the Ten Commandments. And then the rich young ruler says, well, I've done all of these things ever since my youth. Now, if we consider Jesus's other teachings, we know that if you hate somebody, then you commit murder in your heart. If you lust after somebody, then you commit adultery in your heart. And the rich young ruler is basically saying, yeah, I haven't murdered anybody and I've never committed adultery, so I'm totally fine. (laughs) But... We see, looking back at this story, what he's missing, but he doesn't see what he's missing. So he thinks, oh, well, I must be totally fine, and I'm going to get into the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus says, very well, if you want to follow me, here is something that you must do. Go and sell all of your possessions, then come back and follow me. And the rich young ruler 
went away disappointed because he had many possessions. That's what he was missing. He what he was he appeared to be following the laws on the outside, but he wasn't following them in his heart. It seems at least uh, some of them he, he was not following in his heart for sure, because if he truly loved God, he would follow Jesus and be totally happy to give up his possessions because he knows the, 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 the total worthlessness of them compared to the weight of his treasure in heaven if he truly loved God. So we see that Jesus doesn't exactly welcome everybody in the way that our churches welcome everybody. Hopefully you see the problem here. We've talked about Jesus and the Pharisees. We've talked about Jesus and the rich young ruler. And also, here's a here's kind of a big thing. Hell exists, you know. And God does send people there. So it's not like God welcomes everybody, no matter what their beliefs are, and no matter if they hate him or not, and no matter if they have any evil intentions in their hearts. Uh, he doesn't welcome those people into his kingdom. He sends them to hell because that's where they want to be. So why would we welcome somebody into our churches? Uh, I mean, if it's even a church at all, because listen, what are we offering to people? Like I said earlier, we're taking people out of the world and we're supposed to be bringing them into the kingdom, into the body of Christ, right? We're taking people out from a from a worse existence and bringing them into the greatest existence as a child of God adopted into his family. But a lot of churches, we take people out of the world and when we teach these vague sermons and we don't yeah, take the gospel seriously and when we avoid certain truths that the gospel teaches in order to uh, keep them here and you know they'll they'll slowly come around as as they hear more stuff from the Bible except we're always going to uh, avoid the stuff that we don't like teaching because that might kick people away. It's a, it's a cycle. And when that happens, we're pulling people out of the world and we're just putting them into another version of the world. It's, it's like a trap. You know, people think in that situation that they are saved because they're doing everything the pastor says, but the pastor is wrong himself. He's not teaching the true gospel. Let's look at Matthew 17, 13 through 14. Here's another verse that Christians uh, don't really like, but hey, it's in the Bible. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Consider that. Think about the churches that have thousands of attendees <laughs> and who, you know, who have, uh, I, I'm going to take this a little literally at the moment, but understand that, um, that uh, obviously this is a metaphor, but let's just take it literally for a moment and think about the churches that have 10 doors and <laughs> welcome in people from all sides, <laughs> no matter who they are, what they believe, they wave those signs out in front of the building and uh, people come in and the pastor teaches those vague sermons 
that, uh, that sounds like a wide gate. <laughs> and the wide gate leads to destruction. It says it right there. Into, enter by the narrow gate. Now, what I'm not saying is big churches are unfaithful. That's not what I'm saying. It's entirely possible that there are many big churches who are totally faithful. Like, let's look at John MacArthur's church, for example. I think he is a faithful pastor. I think he teaches the truth. He's not afraid to offend people. And he has a sizable congregation. But I think if you are focused on growth as a church, you might just receive growth. But if you're not focused on the word, well, you might still grow. So big churches is not a measure of success. It could be a measure of your failure. John MacArthur said, speaking of him, there's a really good quote that I like from him. And it said, there's only one seeker in the church, and that's God who seeks to have true worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. I love that quote. And it is a slap in the face to seeker-friendly churches. The only seeker is God. God pulls us to him. It's not the sheep that seek out the shepherd. It's the shepherd that seeks out the sheep, right? Any church that's seeker-friendly and that brands themselves in that way is probably not a church at all. It's a cauldron that draws people in and makes them think they're safe while they slowly boil. Don't go to those churches because they're not even churches. You can't say that they are a part of the body of Christ if they do not contain Christians, right? There are many people out there who call themselves Christians and they're not really Christians. And part of the job of us as Christians is to make sure that we are being as faithful to God as we can and also challenge those around us exactly in the same way that Jesus and the disciples did to bring them closer into a relationship with God. So let's be welcoming to people. Let's do all of the other things that the Bible says, like loving our neighbors, loving our enemies, being hospitable to everybody, not neglecting the poor and the outcasts. And remember who the outcasts are, and they are probably not what you think they are in every situation. So remember that. But in addition to those things, we need to welcome people like Jesus welcomed people for the glory of God. And what that means, and it's what Christians are missing, is that sometimes we need to not welcome certain people if they are uh, if they're antagonistic towards God or if they don't care about truth or repentance or if they don't want to change their mind or if they're like, yeah, I'm a Christian because I grew up as one, but I don't really care about sinning and whatever this repentance nonsense is. And I also think Buddha is a pretty cool guy. That's not somebody who is welcome into the kingdom of God. And it's up to us to be faithful ourselves and also to help those people see the error in their ways and be more faithful because that's love. To truly love your neighbor is to set them straight. It's not loving to avoid telling people the truth 
in order to keep them around in your church. That's the opposite of loving. That's evil. Which means we have a lot of churches that aren't really churches, but they're calling themselves churches, and they're evil. So be very wary of those places. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Good Monsters. I need you to do me a really big favor. Go to YouTube and give me a subscribe, give me a comment, um, ring the, the bell notification sign, do everything you possibly can because I'm really trying to grow my YouTube channel. But in addition to that, please, 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 if you enjoyed this episode and any of my other videos or episodes, Uh, Give me a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, Share this with your friends. Uh, This is stuff that I sincerely believe that a lot of people really need to hear. And you can help me share my content with those people who need to hear it. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Good Monsters, and I'll catch you next time.